Nocturne Hall presents an original audio drama intended only for an adult audience. Devils walk among us, some just a mile north of the White House. Whether conjured or elected, they prey on the innocent all the same. Most won't even listen, so folks knock on the one door in the district of crime who will. DuPont Investigations. I never thought my heart would bend. You taught me how to love again. It's you and me until the end. Oh, we'll paint this whole town red. Just the devils, oh, the devils of DuPont. Just the devils, the devils of DuPont. This is the Scourge from Carthage, part five. Stop! Thief! Lila, I'm on him. Rhodes, you're making a huge mistake. Holy hell, are you nuts? Take another shot at me, pal, and I'll plug your ass with that gat. Damn it, where's he off to now? Nigel, are you all right? I'm fine, Lila. Should we phone the police? I'm sure somebody already has. Besides, we're trying to keep your name out of the papers. No book is worth your life, especially the ramblings of dear Philip. Come on, I'll fix you a drink. It's not even noon yet. Someone just took a shot at you. Not just anyone. Abe Rhodes. It all happened so fast. You two have anything to do with that no goodnik I just saw running like a bat out of hell through the promenade foyer? I'm afraid so. Wait, you don't think it was Abe? I barely saw him. Mrs. Bart, you probably got a better look at him. He was striking. Olive skin, chestnut hair, I would guess late 30s or early 40s. That's definitely not Mr. Rhodes. No, sounds more like Calder Evans. That's possible. I've never met Mr. Evans before, and the thief said he was a friend of Philip's. Asked if I'd received his manuscript. And as soon as I pointed at the fresh parcel on the buffet, the handsome devil snatched it up and bolted toward the stairwell. Heavens, after all the time he's mooched on Philip's allowance, now he has the gall to rob me of the last part of Philip? Do you have a piece, Nigel? Not on me. I'd have followed him down the stairs if I did. Why? Because I'd like to shoot him dead myself. Understandable, Mrs. Barr. But I'm not confident whether it was him I saw downstairs. He was too far off and galloping fast. Where's your husband, may I ask? He's in the bedroom, nursing one of the worst hangovers of his life. Some men are completely useless when they're needed the most. It's probably a good thing he's in bed. Our thief took a shot at me in the stairwell. Criminy. Do you suppose Irma could have sent someone to steal it back? She is dastardly. Miss Irma Kraus? That's whose name was on the parcel. It would be a bold move, but so were those letters from our lawyer and he might return it right into her hands. I don't know much about unpublished manuscripts, but they say possession is nine-tenths of the law. Sure. She might claim it's hers and sell it outright, cutting out the estate altogether. She was keen to sell it. Who would buy Philip's mad ramblings? Last we spoke about his work, he was talking all manner of gibberish, utter nonsense. I often fibbed excuses to clear the line. Believe it or not, there's a market for this New Age religious literature. I can't say how much, but 
Enough to keep these quacks in business. But is it worth a murder rap? Maybe your goon fired a warning shot. Just to say. You're still here to talk about it, so I guess it was a mean bark. I'm sure glad it didn't bite. Me too. So who's this other gentleman you spoke of? A man named Abe Rhodes. He says he had something personal to discuss with you about Philip. Odd. Philip never mentioned him. Where's he now? I'm not sure where he went. Must have left. Although I can't imagine why. I told him to wait for me while I phoned Torsten. Maybe someone gave him trouble. Sure. The desk clerk was rather cold to him. Mr. Rhodes says his cousin is on staff as a bellman. Delivered a champagne on Thursday. That's how he knew the bars were guests here. You should try to get something out of the bellman about where we can find his cousin. What about you? I'll pay a visit to the address Mr. Evans provided in Eastern Market. You ought to take my piece. Won't need it. Are you nuts? If he was dumb enough to give us a legit location, he's too innocent to worry about. And if not? Then I'll wind up on someone else's front steps. I hope you're right, Mr. Summersby. Although, if Mr. Evans is in any way connected to Philip's death, I hope you would consider adopting a harsher tone. Don't you worry, Mrs. Barr. Still, at some point, I think he tried to help Philip. However, it may have done more harm than good. What do you mean? It's too premature to say. I'll go check out his address. Nige, let's meet back in my office in an hour. All right. There you are, but how did you get into my inner office? The door was open. I may have left in a hurry, but I always lock up. You take Calder's journal with you? No, I left it right next to the, uh... Telephone, I remember. But it isn't here. You kidding me? No games. And they didn't break the glass? Looks like a professional heist, all right. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? What, that Calder Evans used to be a thief? And I don't suppose you found him at home. Oh, what, at the United Food Stores he sent me to? Not a chance. He doesn't live above it or something? Nothing of the sort. Even waving a Lincoln in their faces, nobody'd ever heard of him or anyone matching his description. So where do you think he's holed up? I haven't a clue, but he's the only one we know after both Philip's manuscript and his war journal. Still, there's something that doesn't add up. And I thought you were the one with the new theory. You gonna answer it this time? Good thing I didn't have it disconnected. DuPont Investigations. May I please speak with Mr. Summersby? You found him. Hello, sir. My name is Mr. Cornelius Steeples. Holy smokes. Hello, Mr. Steeples. I- I've got Mr. Clemens right beside me. Oh, good. My daughter, Lila, informed me he's just been shot at. Would you mind if I spoke with him? Not at all, sir. I'll put him on. Hello, Mr. Steeples. Old son, I'm so glad to hear your voice. The thought of losing another person to this damn cult. Why, it would be too much to bear. Thank you, sir, but I can't say for certain they're at fault for Philip's demise. Lila told me enough about how they got their hooks deep into my boy. We keep waiting for some fancy attorney to arrive from Raleigh with a phony copy of Philip's last will and testament, willing all his assets to that damn Washington Lodge of Theosophy. Do you expect such a thing to arrive? I already asked my general counsel to explore options for filing something to squash it. I just can't figure out what other interest they would have in Philip besides his trust. 
Why, I'd wager there is over a half a million dollars in this account. We haven't uncovered any ploy for money apart from selling his manuscript. However, that suspect sent it back to Lila this morning. So, it's murky as to her motives. We're still considering whether she had it stolen back, but after interviewing her, money doesn't seem a likely motivator. She's pretty well off in her own right. I didn't call to burn your investigation. It sounds like you're knee-deep in the thick of it. I just heard the bastards took a shot at you and it got me piping hot. Son, you were a good friend to Philip, and if they'd harmed you, well, God help them. Thank you for your concern, sir. They got what they were after, so I don't expect any more shootouts. I pray not. I wish Philip would have turned to you for help instead of these people. I hope we soon know the full extent of their ploy. Mr. Summersby believes we're close to uncovering the truth, sir. Good. I'm glad you recruited some local talent. Sounds like you'll need him against these scheming spibs. Whatever it is these lunatics were after, I want you to know, son, if there's anyone who can stop them, our faith is in you now, Nigel. I appreciate your confidence. Philip may have had his faults, but he was a good lad. You know that. Of course I do, sir. Right. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. Take care, son. I don't expect we'll anticipate you home by Easter Sunday. No, I expect it will take a bit longer than Sunday, I'm afraid. Understood. Goodbye, son. Goodbye, sir. Nice of Mr. Steeples to call. I'm sure he's eager for some answers. Did you find out anything more about Mr. Rhodes? His cousin wouldn't give out his number. He was more than a bit mistrustful. Understandable. So did he give us anything? Sure. Rhodes plays alto sax on Saturday nights at Republic Gardens on U Street. Do you know it? I know of it. I haven't been there personally, although I hear they welcome our kind. Who? Whites? Oh, sure, them too. I meant the funny kind. Oh. Who knows? We might end up having quite a time. I don't feel much like celebrating. Yeah, we're close, Nige. So very close. You keep saying that. While our client's been robbed, I've been shot at, and Philip's estate is poised to lose all its jack to the New Age nuthouse. Whose seats shall find. If that's another gosh darn Sophocles quote. Ah, drop the act. You know he's growing on you. Besides, no enemy is worse than bad advice. <laughs> Barry got some nice licks from the show on that last one, making that horn sing. Oh, hey fellas. Let me catch up with you in a few. These hotshots need a word. Evening, Mr. Rhodes. Pardon, but I never got your name, sir. Nigel Clemens. And this is my associate, Mr. Torsten Summersby. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Rhodes. Nigel? Wow, that Nigel? I'm sorry? Philip told me you two were close back in his Egma days. Look, whatever Philip told you... It's all right. I ain't one to judge. If you did a lap inside, you'd find plenty of sweet Nellies, and we're playing our hearts out for him. Sorry to catch you on your break. It's no trouble. I expected you'd turn up at some point after I left Mr. Clemens high and dry this morning at the Mayflower. Why didn't you stick around for me? Believe it or not, that twit of a desk clerk threatened to call the coppers on me for loitering. So you got out of there before all the commotion? I sure as heck wasn't sticking around for no coppers to turn up. He meant the thief I'd chased through the hotel after he nabbed Philip's manuscript from his sister's room. That dumb book? Shoot, it ain't worth chasing nobody. Maybe, but to someone, it's worth enough to steal. Have any idea who that might be? Well, sure. Uh, Philip's screwball lady friend thinks she can sell it, but I thought she was the one who had it last. She did, until she had it delivered to the Mayflower this morning. And someone snatched it on arrival? 
Almost. Quite the coincidence. I'll say. And you don't know anything about this, I suppose? Nothing comes to mind. That's too bad. We've got a C-note for some information. Nah, I'm not after your money. I haven't earned any right to it. Why don't we start with your business with Mrs. Barr this morning? And we may just decide you've earned it. I thought you'd overheard me give the clerk the room number and were headed straight there yourself. Me? Break into the bars' room? No, sir. You got any fucking clue what they would do to me? Well, knocking on a hotel room door ain't breaking and entering. I don't take those kinds of risks. Come to speak of it, how do you track me here anyhow? Your cousin wouldn't tell us much, but he suggested we try here. He wouldn't give up your address, even for a Jackson. <laughs> Julian's a good soul. He probably thought you were going to rough me up or something. Who knows? We still might. <laughs> nah, you fellas ain't got no cause for violence. Where did Philip get his dope? And we ain't talking reefer. Oh, now I see how it is. You think a guy like me with this face and sure, I'm the dope pusher. We figured you were trying to get some money Philip owed you for Mrs. Barr. So if not you, who? You fellas have no damn clue. Me trying to steal from Mrs. Barr? Just what in the heck do you think happened to Philip? We think he got hopped up one final time and fell to his death. Why? You got a different story? Heck yeah, I got a different story, doggone it. I still can't believe he's dead. Here. Have a drink. Thanks. Philip Walston here one night last July. It was so hot we about melted on stage. I watched him wander alone from the back and work his way close to the stage. Those sweet, innocent, baby blue eyes. He bought me a cold one at our first break. He became a regular? You bet. But we became close, too. Mrs. Barr told us Philip spent most of his coin entertaining Mr. Calder Evans. She never mentioned you. Because I never let Philip dote on me as much. Plus, I ain't got no expensive taste like Calder. Heck, half the joints they'd visit would let me through nothing but the service entrance. And even then, they'd assume I'm the help. Nah, Calder found himself a meal ticket with Philip, and he knew it. Did you know Calder had a key to Philip's room? No, but I'm not surprised. Calder was obsessed with Philip. You see, Calder saw Philip as his little project. They met at that damn theosophy den, but once Philip revealed his dope troubles, Calder couldn't resist meddling in his affairs. What do you mean by meddling? Testing his damn theory. How much about Calder's past do you know about? Well, we got his ghost story down. He told you about it? No, but we read his journal. We had it in our possession until someone stole it from my office earlier today. <laughs> Quite a lot of thievery today. All related to Mr. Evans. He and Philip made a perfect pair. Philip wanted desperately to believe Calder's wild experience abroad. It fits square with the rest of those theosophists mumbo jumbo. The trouble was me, I suppose. How'd you get in the way? When we were at some fancy theosophist house for a New Year's party, there for the first time I saw Philip down some odd tablets. When I confronted him about it later, he snapped at me like a crocodile. Afterward, he apologized at some length for his temper. Finally, he divulged his struggle with Morth since his automobile accident. It took you six months to notice he was a hophead? It seems crazy now looking back, but yeah. I, I just thought he was a real mellow cat. Always reading his books. He listened to a lot of classical radio programs, but I'd seen him animate it before. He'd get all excited about whatever subject he was reading about. And he was always typing away. He might not have had proper employment, but took his writing seriously. Still, I never saw him snap at anyone until that party. Not under any circumstance. You said before you tried to help him. Well, sure. I lost an uncle to more. 
never saw him again after I turned six. It caused his heart to quit on him. You see, your body keeps a ledger with morph. You take two tabs one day, it wants two or more the next, and on and on. For the most part, Philip kept his habit a secret, but everyone slips up from time to time. He slipped too hard this last time. Lord almighty, ain't that the damn truth? Hurts like Dickens too, just saying it out loud. My granddad told me he too struggled with the stuff. My gram threatened to leave him if he didn't stop, so he got sober. I asked him how he kicked it, and he coached me on how to help Philip for good. But Philip didn't believe it would work. Why? That damn Calder had him convinced the only way to kick Morph was to rap with some ghost. What do you mean? Calder was convinced whatever words she'd spoken to him in Latin were what cured him. Of course, Philip clued Calder in about his ghost, most likely being some early Christian from North Africa. After that, Calder became fanatical. You mean with a medium? They tried a parade of mediums and clairvoyants. They held several seances in Philip's room, but- She never showed. Criminy the fools. Nah, they and all their friends from that devil's den were fooling themselves. I kept my trap shut through March. I thought, what the heck? Maybe some old spirit might come through and convince Philip to get straight. I also heard Morph could make you see things, so maybe he would imagine the whole thing. And when nothing appeared? I got damn tired of Calder's charade. Philip wanted to stay the course. His whole world revolved around Calder's ghost coming through. I wish I would have pushed back sooner, but... I'm remorseful as folks didn't send me here while I could have still made a difference. Ah, me too, brother. Me too. Philip needed better friends than those jackals. I got my way just over a week ago. I convinced him to try my grandpappy's method to quit the dope. Calder and Irma just went along with it? I threatened to rat them out to his folks if they got in my way. They became mighty deferential. If they were walking on fucking eggshells. What was your plan? Wean them down to five grains and then cut them off cold turkey. So you were dealing? Heck no. I told you so. Calder kept the supply coming. He knew all sorts of tricks to keep our hophead in business. He's a sinister son of a bitch. So Calder was dealing? He was supplying. They might as well have opened a, a joint bank account. Calder made the dope appear and Philip kept picking up their tabs. I thought Calder made a living as a sign painter. Is that what it was this time? Since I've known him, the bastard couldn't keep a steady job. Suppose he didn't need one, though, after he met Philip. You saying Philip made him a kept man? Calder's at least 10 years older. Nah, it wasn't like that. Philip was more like Calder's patron with a fat pocketbook. Lila suspected they were romantically involved. As close as they were, I can see how she may have gained that impression. Who knows? Maybe Calder even had feelings for Philip. And Philip? Nope. As far as I know, I'm requited as a bee sting. Interesting. Obviously, your granddad's cure didn't take. Oh, I wouldn't say that. The first day was all right, when Philip still bought the idea his sugar bindles were loaded with more. Then he started to yawn uncontrollably, which is when he knew the last grain was out of his skin. Philip was too brilliant for his own good. Convinced his jaw would crack, which I heard happens to folks, well, Fear made him suffer even more. I hear most morphine addicts fear their initial pain will return. Right. For men that start morph due to a nasty injury like Philip's, I imagine the memory of pain is what hooks them from the jump. Then the tough part came, the waiting. A few days in, Philip was just a shivering pool of sweat. That's when the jackals descended. Irma and Calder. 
Yep. Irma barged in, demanding I allow her to try and sell Philip's manuscript. She didn't seem to appreciate Philip's condition, but she didn't let it deter her either. So you let her leave with Philip's manuscript? Sure. I can't say I much care for her, but I think she has Philip's best interest at heart. They shared a common belief in all that nutty shit. Irma sent a telegram this past Monday, wanted Philip to bring her back. Holding package, it read. Monday was the last day of Philip's withdrawal. He'd offered to buy me a Packard car for two grains of morph by that point. I didn't bother him with Irma's telegram. So she wasn't lying about him failing to call her back? No. Philip never came near his desk for seven days. Then on the 8th, let's see, that'd be Tuesday. Let me see that flask again. Certainly. You probably think I'm a lush. Not in the least. We understand this is difficult. Yeah, you can say that again. When I got Philip to eat a little something on Monday night, he lost the whimper in his voice. I knew he was almost back to the living. The last thing he told me, staring up with those baby blue eyes filled with tears, he said, I've won, haven't I? Wait, you're saying he kicked the stuff? Hand to God. If I hadn't left early Tuesday morning, I'm sure he would have been a changed man. Why'd you leave? It's hard to explain. During the night, Philip began to mumble all sorts of nut gibberish. Kept saying, she's here, she's here. I tried to wake him, but he was entranced. I dozed off at one point and for an instant, I swear I saw a figure standing over just looking at him. What kind of a figure? It was dark, so I could see just his contours. It looked like a mass of ink swirled into human form. It vanished just as quickly as I'd seen it. And the next thing I knew, I heard that bastard Calder's keys rumbling around. He came through the door and started spotting off some dumb shit to Philip, like, don't give up the ship. What an ass. The last thing on earth I wanted was to leave Calder along with Philip, but I was startled by what I experienced. And I didn't dare explain it to that son of a bitch. So I told him the truth. I'd been having a rough time sleeping and needed to rest up for my gig later that night in Georgetown. So you just left him there? Hey, calm it down. Uh, you said you were apprehensive about leaving Philip with Calder. Why? Part of me suspected Calder never wished Philip to get better. I can't prove anything, but it was just a feeling when he came around towards the end, just when things started to look bright. All I know is that's the last time I ever saw Philip alive. And you went where after? I'm lodging at the 12th Street YMCA. You got an alibi? In spades, friend. We found an old medic's treatment tent in Philip's room. Have you ever laid eyes on it before? From the war? Never. Don't those contain morphine vials? This one might have, but that's what was missing. Do you mean to tell me that's what Philip was on when he fell? That's our best guess. Irma says she found him wandering around Connecticut Avenue and coached him back to her parents' house. All right, guys. Pick another number that'll let Barry shine. I'll be in to play the Duke Solitude. Nice choice. You a jazz fan? I never heard a tune from Mr. Ellington I didn't like. There's just one thing that doesn't add up for me. I don't see why you'd go to all that trouble for Philip. You think I haven't been playing the saddest songs I know since I read Thursday's paper? Ha, <laughs> and before I forget, give this to Lila for me. What's this? It's an annulet. Been in their families for generations. And he gave it to you? Just for safekeeping while we tried to get him on the straight and narrow. Oh, and I see from your faces, you don't get it at all. You see, I was dizzy with him. 
You. We were never meant to be, he and I. He dreamed big of a world different from the one we were living. But then he was hopped up on Morph most of our time together. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have to. I can just imagine pulling into Steeplesville with the Prince of Zegman. Daddy Steeples might have had a stroke right then and there. I guess we'll never know. Still, I feel lucky for the times we were able to steal away together. I'll see that she gets the annulet. And Abe, he was lucky to find you, even if it ended too fast. Here's my card. Stop by any time. Sorry for your loss. Here, we promise you a C-note. Take it. All right, fellas. It looks like we're on again. Keep your coin. Besides, what all that steeples do do for Philip? And one last thing, any clue where we can find Calder, he gave us a dummy address. Try the Cairo. But Philip gone is the closest he's ever gotten to seeing his specter again. Something tells me he ain't yet quit his wild ghost chase.
DuPont Investigations is written by Mark Benjamin Langston and directed, edited, and sound designed by Bryce Bowen. Keep your ears in the 1930s by becoming a DuPont investigator. Access our private Discord server, The Inside Scoop, or explore Torsten Summersby's recovered case file by visiting nocturnehall.com investigator. With special thanks to Kaylee Selecki, NP, and Matthew Selecki, MD, DuPont Investigations, The Scourge from Carthage, Part 5, features Ruth Brown as Lila Barr, Jacob Lohman as Nigel Clemens, Mark Benjamin Langston as Torsten Summersby, Kenneth Patterson as Cornelius Steeples, and Claxton Rab III as Abe Rhodes. The original theme song, Devils of DuPont, written and performed by Bryce Bowen, is available wherever you stream music. For individuals and families facing mental health or substance use disorders in the United States, listeners can call the free confidential national helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-H-E-L-P.